Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, we have a powerful show tonight. We have someone, Brian, I believe, that's going to uh, change the direction of the lives of a lot of people. You, we've yeah. had him on before. Everybody's been asking about him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think it's just going to be a powerful, powerful show. Yes, I, I really agree. You that. know, I, I had an opportunity to speak with him briefly on yesterday, and one of the things he asked me was, you know, what do you want to talk about in the show? Give me something to to go by. And I said, you know, a lot of our listeners have been talking about, you know, the issues, you know, surrounding the election and, you know, their financial situations. And he's like, oh, you've given me more than enough already. So I know that he's ready to, to really, you know, give us some great insight on, you know, what we can do. Yeah. And tonight's show is, is entitled Hold On. <laughs> you know, so I think if everybody just hold on and, and keep their eyes open, you know, and actually keep their ears open tonight as well, they'll get some great insight on, you know, what to do when all this is election stuff is done. You know what, Brian, I, I, I really want our guest to, and I know he's going to hit these points, we need to learn as Americans that we can't depend on our government to do certain things for us. And what I mean is a lot of people say, you know, in, in January they're, they're excited because they're looking for that big payday, and that big payday, Brian, is is that tax refund or they're looking for a lawsuit or they're looking for something to happen where money will fall out of the sky and in their lap but they're afraid of going out and doing the things that they need to do to get what they want and i know he's going to touch on those things and a lot of a lot of and, and the reason i'm saying that brian is a lot of the things that we go through we put ourselves through it because of the choices that we make well, again, that word again. Yeah, I'm excited <laughs> because I know that our guest, I mean, he's going to hit on those things. I, I know that. And I have my pen ready. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but, yeah, go ahead and bring him in, Brian. I was going to say, let me go ahead and bring him in. Tonight we have best-selling author and motivational speaker, Mr. Ed Blunt. Mr. Blunt, are you there? Yes, sir, I am here. All right, well, welcome again to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Well, thank you very much for having me. Yes. Mr. Mr. Blunt, I, I know you heard Brian and I talking just now, and, you know, I was talking about a lot of the things that a lot of people have grown to accept in life. You know, they're looking for the lawsuit. They're looking for the tax refund, and they're looking for something to happen, and that's the only thing that they're just waiting just for those couple of things. What in the world is going on? Well, you know, I, I think life, uh life is life is hard life is challenging and we all know this and that that tax refund is a great example because when that happens it's as if christmas is has arrived people they they tend to forget that they have been working all year long and that an excessive amount of money has been being taken out of their paychecks and so that tax refund it's something they have put time in and they have earned that right. 
And the reason I think people look forward to it is because the money is gone before the check is in your hand. So by the time you get your check, Uncle Sam is taking his piece and Social Security is taking their piece and, uh, you know, federal, state, local, and then you get whatever's left over. So people tend to look at whatever is left in their hand as the money that they have, not really appreciating the fact that, no, you have earned a gross amount. So by, by the time the end of the year rolls around, you get that tax refund, you feel like somebody's giving you a gift. And so people are literally fooling themselves into thinking, oh, wow, look what the government has done for me. No, ladies and gentlemen, you did that for yourself. You just have given authority over to the government to take that money out of your check, but literally you have given that gift to yourself. And I believe, Mr. Turner, that if people really look at the situation and say, you know what, if I've had the capacity and the ability to earn this much money over the last 365 days, enough to get this kind of tax refund, what else can I produce? What else can I create? What else can I contribute to? over a long period of time with discipline, consistency, and focus. I think people don't give themselves enough credit, and they give the government too much credit. Mm. Mm. Well said. You know, and I, didn't, I never thought about it that way, you know, that I've worked for all that. I've always said, yeah, you know, the government is giving me something back. They should give it back to me. And, you know, it's, all they're doing is giving me back what's already mine. <laughs> yes, that's a, it's called the rope and dope. <laughs> they wanted to, they wanted the things that they're doing as a favor, uh, because that money, as I said, is gone before you get it. Right, right. And so this stimulus package thing. What what did you think about the stimulus package? Well, I I had a I had a gut I just had a gut reaction that that really it, it was disturbing to me at best. Because it's if if the government is proposing or the Bush administration is proposing a seven hundred billion dollar bailout, and you have CEOs who are who are who are already arguing that they are not willing to forego their bonuses, their multi million dollar bonuses, if that's going to mean you know we have to do some some in order to accept this bailout, and the Bush administration is being resistant to even broaching the subject of CEOs not being able to get their bonuses, something is wrong because it's it's the same thing as if someone says, well, look, I know, you know, there are more than 70% of the people in this country are living and they have debt, they have credit card debt. And what we're going to do is we're going to just bail everybody out. We're going to forgive all the debt of all the Americans in this country. You know, if that was the proposal, I'm sorry. I still have some questions about that because I, I, I said, wait a minute, where is this money going to come from? We, all, we already know that we're being taxed to the hilt in Iraq. We already know that we're looking at a, I believe it's up to $4 trillion now in terms of the deficit. we got some serious issues. And just to add on more debt to that, I just, I'm not an economist. I'm not an expert. But common sense, I'm sorry, it's not common. That just doesn't make any sense to me. $700, $700 billion? Who's going to pay for that? Where's that money going to come from? Right, you know, and it's interesting. I was having this conversation with a gentleman the other day, and we were talking about how if they had $700 billion that they could give to these banking organizations that literally made money off of the backs of Americans, and now they get to get bailed out 
but yet they're made they've made billions of dollars as well. Yep. You know, it's like I'm gonna pay you X amount of dollars to mess up some money and then bail you out with more money. And yep. the whole time the the you know, Mr. Happy Go Lucky consumer is being taxed and then the money that he's being taxed, he can't afford anything else. And then you say, I'm gonna take even more from you now. You know You know the the numbers it's it works out to about twenty three hundred dollars per American. Wow. Every American has to cough up twenty three hundred dollars in order to pay for this. Now here's the thing. If you look at the record of and, and someone asked the question, uh, I think it was uh, Spectre, Senator Spectre, he said he said, Where does seven hundred billion dollars come from? Where does that number who came up with that number? And the answer is we don't know. Because you can't they, they were saying economists are saying you cannot you can't tell where one uh where one Wall Street company's books, where the, where the profits stop and the losses start. You, you, you don't know where the stop and start is, and so they just come up with a really big number to try to cover up and encompass as much mess as possible. Now, let's just look at Iraq quickly. Mm-hmm. If you look at Iraq, you know, we know that we're spending up to $10 billion a month on this war. I remember in the first three years that we were in Iraq, within the first three years, $2 billion went missing. Two billion dollars went missing. No one could account for it. Nobody knew where it went. Wow. The the Pentagon didn't know. The War Department didn't know. The, the budget people no no one no one knew. So if they're mismanaging money on a war that we've been in for almost eight years now, I mean I'm sorry, seven hundred seven hundred billion dollars. Just I just don't know that we have the capacity to to manage those funds with integrity and to be sure that they are being used in the most efficient manner that's going to benefit Americans, not just Wall Street, but Americans. I don't believe that that is the position that the $700 billion bailout is coming toward. And see, you know, it's, it's funny, and it's very interesting at the same time. The word you use, integrity, Integrity means so much, and I'm I'm glad you used that word. When you look at the failed policies that have just been coming back to bite us, you know how they keep saying we're winning in Iraq. Yes, we're winning in Iraq, and as a result, our economy is pretty much shot. Yes. How is that a win? Who is that a win for? You know? And yet they still have not found weapons of mass destruction. And so the whole position on why we went changed to we went to free the Iraqi people, which is not what most people signed up for when they said, let's go to Iraq. Yes. You see, so, I mean, this word integrity, you know, it's it's a word that I, that I hold dear, and I, I I can't find myself to actually place it on the current administration because they flip flop so much and they stalled themselves so much, you know, in trying to get the right answers out. You know, and just again, you know, you have uh, Senator McCain who wants to wait and not have a debate, and so I guess as a help to him, President Bush invites McCain and Obama to discuss the bailout. Yes. 
Now, what does that really mean? Is that helping? I mean, who is that really going to help? You know, because I think we were talking about it earlier. If Senator McCain wants to wait, does it mean he's not prepared? Well, you know, I, I understand that this is this is it's speculatory on our part, but I I just to me it just doesn't. If it looks like a duck and sounds like a duck and cracks like a duck, it's a duck. I just think that that he he needs more time. Um, he he is trying to do something to try to stir things up, and and listen, the Republicans they are great strategists. They know how to run a campaign. They may not know how to govern, but they know how to run a campaign. And I, listen, I know that your listeners, whether you are supporters for McCain or Obama, that's of no consequence to me. All I ask is is that you look at the tactics that are being used by both sides and understand that this is a a game of chess and people are making moves ahead of you know making three and four moves ahead of time and always trying to place themselves in a powerful position and that's all McCain is doing. He's trying to leverage and take initiative on something that he feels is going to make him look good. Whether his intentions are you know are pure or not is irrelevant because we all know elections are won based on perception. And if we're lucky, if we're lucky, the person that eventually gets into office will actually live up to something that, that is close to the image that they portray. Right, yeah, right. That's, that's so true. Do you, you know, it, it, it seems like the, the people that are in power, that are running and leading this, this country, it's almost as if they are toying with the American people. It's almost as if they're saying, we can do what we want, but as long as we say a certain thing so many times over and over and over, they'll start believing it. Do, do, do you get that from watching the news and you see some things? And I, and I know when, when I watch things, I'm like, are you kidding me? Yes. Well, Greg, you, you said something earlier. You asked the question, you know, what? You know, there are some people who are, are waiting to get help. They're waiting for the government to do something. They're waiting for the tax refund. But you were talking in a larger sense about people not taking the initiative. And uh, one of the groups I was working with uh, earlier in the week, I was talking about focus. Because of our culture and at the pace of information and the fact that most of us are inundated with information on a regular basis, we got tons of emails, we get advertisements, if you're watching a television, you know, if you watch television at all, you know, there are more commercials in that commercial period now than at any other time, and they're much shorter. When you watch a television program, the, the, the amount, the number of times the camera shifts focus and changes from where it's looking at, from the person who's talking to the person who's listening to the scenery. If you go to a movie, and you all can do this, anybody that's listening on the phone right now, the next time you go to a movie, just watch the camera and look at how many times it, it changes and it shifts from who's talking to the scenery. And because of that, that quick shift, we have begun to habitually have a short attention span. We can't, like I try, I'm trying to read a page from the top to the very end of the page, and I can't do it without looking up and looking around. Now, you couple that that habitual short attention span 
with information that's being thrown at us, you know, whether it's coming from the administration, whether it's coming through media interviews and newspaper articles, and as you said, if the the people that are in positions of influence, the people that are in control of the media sources and the information outlets, if they say something enough, well, the truth of the matter is our attention span, we're so unfocused and we're so just trying to figure out how we're going to pay the mortgage and, and pay for child care this week and do I have enough money to fill up my gas tank. I, I, I'm only catching the sound bites. And if I hear sound bites enough, uh, you know, $700 billion bailout, good for, the, good for the economy, $700 billion bailout, good for the economy. If I hear that enough, I'm going to just hook into that. Oh, well, that must be a good thing then. That must be good. Oh, well, you know, Bush is saying that, that you know, Iraq is, is uh, oh, mission accomplished. Oh, we must be winning. The surge must be working. Oh, we must be liberators. Whatever the, the, the conversation is, we have such a short attention span that you can give us a couple of sound bites, but we're so distracted anyway that we have, we have no room to, to even dissect it, to even look at it. And so, yes, I agree. That's a long answer to a short question, but I agree that we do. We just tend to fall into that, that trap of, all right, well, if they say so, I don't really have time to read the whole newspaper. I'm just going to go with what the headline is. <laughs> well said. You know, I've, as we're here talking about the economy and the bailout, I'm reading here in High Tech News that Sun Microsystems CEO received an $11 million pay package. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's good to be the CEO. You know, but when you have some companies that their CEOs are making more by themselves than over half the rest of the corporation, you yeah. know, and it says here, it says the amount represents a 44% jump over the previous year's $7.7 million uh, compensation package. Wow. And it says, but it was far short of what he could have earned. You know, and when you look at that, there are people out there making record profits. I mean record profits in oil, record profits all around, and yet so many people are hurting. And, you know, what they tend to do in the media is they'll say, well, you know, look at all these profits that we received. So because of these record profits, overall the economy is doing well. True. You know? But is it really that there's a few people doing really, really well enough to where it looks like we're doing great and a whole bunch of other folks that are hurting, struggling, trying to make ends meet? You see what I mean? You see how they use those plays on words, you know, to say, well, the economy's doing well overall. Well, you know, I think that when you have programs like Abundant Solutions, where people can can tune into a different frequency and open themselves up to some insights and ideas and information that can empower them in much greater ways than any news typical newspaper or news station. Now you're talking about some active solutions, some some practical steps that someone can take to begin to change the direction of their life. Now I don't fault individuals who. Uh, for whatever reason, had the wherewithal, the insight, the connection, the relationships, the networking, the capacity to 
position themselves to end up being CEOs and to end up being in the top five percent of earners in, in the in the in our in our population. I do think that there is much that we can learn and gain from people of integrity and people who are like I believe Warren Buffett to me, based on my studies of him and watching, you know, hundreds of interviews and reading some of the books written about him. He is someone to me that, that walks the talk and talks the walk. He's very much in alignment. He really believes in, in values and family values. He believes in doing business at a high level of integrity. He doesn't invest in companies that are not walking that same kind of philosophy. So he's very much in alignment. I don't think he's one of the, the, the greatest investors ever uh, by accident. There's a very specific design. So those of us who are probably struggling a bit more, or seeking to try to find our, our financial way, so to speak, and create some more opportunities for our children and our families. We have a lot that we can learn from individuals who are in that top 5%, but we find the ones who are living to the best of our knowledge, living a life of integrity, doing business and working with people with their best interests at heart. Because when you do that, then when you we come back to Greg's initial point, which is, well, you know, what can we do other than wait for someone to give us something that we've already earned in the first place? But what can we do other than wait for that thing, that that magical pill to come or that lottery ticket, so to speak? We can start to, to look at things differently. We can start to have a different perspective on how we are living our life. You know, I always tell people if you have a job, you're off to a fantastic start. If you have a job and another source of income, be it residual especially, you're really off to a great start. And if you have a job, residual income, and a portfolio, an investment portfolio, now you're on your way to creating something for your children and your children's children to live off of. Mm -hmm. Yes. I was going to say, um, Ed, when you have a person that, depressed and I see this all the time and yeah. uh, we talk and, and at the end of the conversation they've pretty much vented and now they feel a little bit better but they always ask the question you know I'm a good person but why in the world is it that bad things happen to me all the time I see bad people do good good things are happening to them why is it that it's happening to them but it's not happening for me what what would yes. you say to someone like that? Well, the first thing I'd have to ask some questions. You know, my first question is, what do you mean? What does that mean? Bad things happen to you all the time. Let's just look at that line that you just said. Bad things happen to me all the time. We know that based on a uh, uh, Seligman wrote a book called Learned Optimism. We know that based on our our languaging patterns, that will determine our our state whether we feel good or we feel bad or we feel depressed, when people talk in absolutes, bad things happen to me all the time. Now, of course, there is no one that I've ever met, and I've, and I've talked and worked with thousands of people, where something bad is happening to them all the time, right? But when we say that, we are literally living up to that belief. You know, you, you, you name it, then you claim it. Well, you walk around saying, well, bad things happen to me all the time. 
you, you, that's a permanent conversation. That there's no, I can't work with you. Like I can't work with that. If bad things are happening to you all the time, then, then what's the point? There's nothing we can do with that. So that's my first question. What do you mean when you say bad things are happening to you all the time? Well, it just seems like I can't get anything going. And it seems like I tried a couple things and it just didn't work out. Well, what did you try? Well, I tried uh, looking for a, a new job and I couldn't find one. Okay, well, what did you do? What steps did you take? And so I like to break stuff down. Let's just break it down. Did you have a, 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 a resume that had been approved by some eyeballs and some experts that you can really trust their expertise and they can say to you, well, maybe you should change the line here, change the line there. Did you go about making sure that you had on your best dress and you were smelling good and feeling confident? Did you make sure that your mindset was right before you went in for the interview on that job? And if you've got a, a no, did you keep going or did you just stop after the first no and just say, oh, well, nothing's working out for me? So I always try to put things in a perspective so that we can understand the looking glass that a person is experiencing their life through because oftentimes, more often than not, it's what we're focusing on that's going to determine who we are. It's not who we are, but what we focus on that determines that. Mm. And that's so true about that focus. <laughs> If you focus, if, if whatever it is that you're focusing on, that's what's going on in your life. Yes. That's what's going yep. on in your life. And you hear people say all the time, and they can tell you, I don't want this to happen. I don't want that to happen. But then that's the only things that they talk about. They only talk about the things that they don't want to happen, but it's like they never say what they really want to happen. Yes. So, I mean, what do you say to someone? Do you tell them? You know what? Stop talking negative. You need to to talk as if whatever it is that you want to happen is happening right now. That's what you need to talk about. But then you, but then they respond back to you saying, "Well, that's not how it is right now. I'm struggling. I want to do that, but I'm struggling. I have to be real." What would you say? Got to be real, right? Yeah. And and I understand that. You know, I'm not I'm not an advocate of of. Um, Someone that says, "Well, you know, if you, if you just if you just think good thoughts, then good things will happen." It's not that you you just think good thoughts. It's that you got to understand. Yes, there there are going to be challenging times. Yes, we are going to get hit upside the head by life. It's going to knock us <laughs> to our knees at times. We're going to have to get back up. But here's what we all have to recognize: our circumstances are not our conclusion. So if we are experiencing some challenging situations. For example, I'll give you all a classic example. I was, uh, this was, this was right, um, right before September 11, 2001, and I had been out of work for about, I don't know, three, three weeks, three and a half weeks, maybe a little bit longer, and my rent was approaching, and I didn't know how I was going to pay my rent, and I was I was looking for, you know, some, some hustle jobs, and I couldn't find any hustle jobs because I had been working in my other industry doing doing well. So I didn't, you know, people would look at my, my employment record and say, well, what have you been doing for the last couple of years? And I'd say, oh, well, I was, you know, I was doing a show. I was doing this. And they'd say, well, we can't hire you because we don't know if you're going to be around long enough to, to hold on to this job. So not only could I not get a job in my profession, but I couldn't even get a job in McDonald's. I mean, I was I was struggling, and at some point, 
uh, right around late August, I said to myself, you know what, Ed? You have to make a commitment to really focus on what it is you want to produce. You don't want to work at a hustle job. That's not what you want to do. You want to work doing what you do, what you came here to do. You want to work in your given, chosen profession. So I literally focused all my, my energy on that. I put all my effort into creating an opportunity for myself. I started making phone calls. I started talking to people. Do you know of anything happening? Do you know of any new projects going on? And lo and behold, I got a phone call. Now, I got this phone call, and within a week's time, I was meeting with the producers of this, of this show. It was an off-Broadway show. And they had already cast the show, but for whatever reason, and I'd like to believe that it was because of my mindset, my, my my preparation, because I just went about my days as if this was going to happen. Now, to your listeners, listen, I am not saying that this is an easy thing to do. It's much easier for us to, to look at our circumstances and identify with them. So if you're broke, then you start thinking, oh, well, I'm just going to be broke. It's my reality. It's not going to change. Or you may say, I've been out of work for six months. That's my reality. It's not going to change. I'm, listen, it's easy to do that. It's much more difficult, much more challenging to focus on where you want to go. Not where you are, but where you want to go. And it was only because I gave myself over to that focus that I, that I ended up creating a situation within myself where when I went in for that job interview, they saw someone that was confident, that was sure of themselves, and, and that's how I made the connection. So I get the gig, and then September 11th happens, and within that moment, we all had to make a decision. We had to make a decision as to whether or not the work that we were doing is it important enough for us to continue doing this work, or do we need to put it on pause and just deal with the tragedy of the situation? And we all made a decision to keep working because people need what we have to offer. So, dear listeners, I'm going to say this. Yes, you may be in a challenging circumstance right now, but you don't have the right. You have no right to withhold your gifts and your talents and your skills, your abilities, your ideas, just because you're having a difficult time. There are people that came before us that did so much more with so much less. And so if you're on this call, that's already telling you that you have a higher consciousness and you have a higher appreciation for what you're capable of and you understand the importance of tuning in to a higher frequency of success. That's why you're listening to this program. That's why when Greg and Ryan get on and, they, and they're doing this thing every single week and you tune in, you know they're going to challenge you. You know they're going to stretch you. You know they're going to let you know. So I say focus on where you want to go and understand that hard times are going to be here. They're going to leave. They're going to come back, and that's just the way it is. Don't take it personal. It happens to all of us. Some of us keep doing well while others don't. Yes, well said, well said. You know, um, I was talking to a gentleman just the other day, and they were talking about um, they had an issue with their house being foreclosed on, and they were struggling, and they said they tried to get into programs that had just been uh, released by the federal government to help them with the mortgage crisis. And, you know, the guy was saying before I could even, he said, I found out about it on, like, that morning, and I called that afternoon, and they said all the money had already been spent. Mm. And, you know, he's like, you know, so how do you get in 
to a program that as soon as you find out, as soon as they say, hey, you know, this program is for you, and you call and they say, oh, we're already full. You know, do you think that some of these programs that they're coming out with are just designed to sort of, you know, they, they, they dock it up and make it look all pretty, but really it's not out there to help people. It's out there to kind of save face or make or put on that sort of like a facade of, hey, we're doing something about this crisis or about this issue. And do you think that's also what they're doing with this new $700 billion, you know, dollar bailout? I think people, for the most part, have really good intentions. I think um, there's a lot of but good intentions don't make up for incompetency. Mm-hmm. And just because I have good intentions doesn't mean that I know what I'm doing. So I think, unfortunately, the, the tone that has been set from the leadership, our leader, Right, we have to take ownership of George Bush like everybody else. Mm-hmm. He's been our leader for the last eight years, right. and unfortunately, he has set a tone of incompetency being the norm, being acceptable. And and I don't, you know, I don't know that that the administration um, has set out to just destroy the economy and and to really mess up a lot of people's lives. I just think that they were irresponsible and dishonest about their level of, of skill and incompetency and, and not willing to ask for help. So there are programs that I think are put in place and they have the best intention, but they don't have people that are in charge of those programs that are competent. I mean, listen, when's the last time you've gone just to the grocery store or to a department store and you and and you said, well, the, the level of service certainly must be better than this. It has to be better than this. I mean, just basic customer service. So we have we have a lot of work to do in this country. We all have to take ownership in it. I take as much ownership. If I go somewhere and I see something not being done the way at the level I know it can be, I am going to say something. So we have to do our part. And for the gentleman that, that went there and made the phone call and found out they didn't have it, his, his responsibility is to keep looking. He's, got to, he's going to have to knock on some new doors. He's going to have to come up with some new and creative ways of, of how to, to navigate this very difficult situation. He may have to sleep on some couches. He may have to split his family apart, and, and some are going to have to go to Cousin Boo Boo's house and you know Cousin Tracy's and whoever. We have to. We got to come up with some new and creative ways to get through this time. It is not going to be easy. But some of the most dynamic inventions, some of the greatest companies that we have ever produced, some of the best leaders have come out of the most difficult times. And that is when we find out who we are and what we're made of. And this is our opportunity to tap into those things within ourselves that will that will that will bring up our character, that will call upon the, the legacy of those who came before us and enable us to start to build anew. And it's going to have to, it's going to, have to be ugly before it gets pretty. It's just the way it is. Yes. You know, I, Mr. Brown, I want to ask you, we, we, I want to go in the area of race. And I think what a lot of people are starting to see now is it doesn't matter your skin color. That doesn't matter anymore because the economy 
is hitting all of us over the head. Some are being hit harder than others, but you see both sides struggling, and they're struggling together. And now when you hear uh, a presidential candidate say there's time for change, you kind of see people on both sides agreeing. Now, they may not agree out in public, but when they go to the gas station and go to the grocery stores, they they agree. But, you know, it's almost as if it's time. It's just, I mean, I don't know know any other way to say it. It's just time. Yes. Yeah. And 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 what what are you getting or what are you seeing on from from the broadcast on television as far as dealing with race in this election? Well, it, it seems to be the in some ways it's the elephant in the room, and that the the code word for race with this particular uh, election is undecided voters. <laughs> so in other words, people are saying we know that there are people who who intellectually and and emotionally well let me rephrase that. People intellectually they know that they feel that Barack Obama is the better candidate. Emotionally and historically they're they're, they're fighting themselves because of his because of you know he's he's uh, he's African American, so they're looking at that and the, the, so that's the big buzzword. The code word is undecided voter because people are thinking when you go into that booth when nobody is looking it's just you. One of two things are going to come out: the the history and legacy of racism and oppression that has been passed down from generation to generation. It is something that has affected and touched all of our lives in one way, shape, or form. And when you go to that booth, you're going to have to that 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 piece is going to have to be is going to have to be dealt with. You're going to have to confront that. Am I making this decision because I just cannot get over the fact that this person is African American, or am I making this decision because this person is in fact the best person for the job? So I think that's the wild card. There are a lot of people that are not, you know. A lot of racism is not intentional. It's subconscious. A lot of racism is habitual. People are just used to it. They're not, they're not even aware of it. So, and, you know, that's, that's a wild card. I'm just as curious as, as you are. I'm, I'm very curious to see how that's going to play out. Well, you know, I, I, I want to say this, that we're living in a time now where you don't have a choice. You're going to see uh, race as it is. And in, in this country, and I'm going to say this, but between October 1 and the date of the election, this is going to be a country that a lot of people never, ever knew. Things are going to change. It's going to change because of this election. You're going to see uh, strategic fights about um, the voting you're going to see all kinds of things happening. And, my, and the question that I have is, if Obama was white, would you see this? No. Would you see this kind of fight? No, I, I don't think so. Well, you know, let, me, let me rephrase it. I don't know that you see it, you know, because, because what's happened in the last two elections, it, 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 it's bigger than 
it's it's bigger than race. It, it goes it, it, it's um, there's a politicking and a classism that has really begun to shape our political arena. And I think race is something that has come into into it because of this election. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be as as big or bigger. You know, I'm not sure because <laughs> the Republican machine is is a very powerful machine. The Democratic machine is a very powerful machine, and everybody has agendas, and people will do what they got to do to get their person in. And so we've already we've already we have a history of, of voter tampering and. And, and voter discrimination and, and, you know, pockets of the country. That's happened in the last two elections. So is it going to change that much? Probably not. Are we more aware of it? Yes. Does that give us more, you know, make us more empowered? For example, I didn't know that you're not supposed to wear a button when you go to vote. Like you can't wear, you know, if you have an Obama button or a McCain button, you can't wear those buttons when you go to vote because they'll send you, they can send you home. They can tell you you're not allowed to vote unless you take that off. Now, if someone doesn't know that and they go in there, they may think that they're not allowed to vote, period, right? If they're not aware, they may say, oh, well, they told me I couldn't vote. No, 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 no. They just meant you have to take off the button. So that's a little tiny thing, Greg, that can make a huge difference if people are not aware of it. So, (laughs) You know, it's funny. I just received that email today because I did not know that. I did. I think you have to. I think you can only do it so many feet away from the um, um, establishment. Right, a certain parameter, parameter around the the voting where you where you go to vote. But that's yeah. you know little things like that, right? Yes. And that's so sad. That's sad. But we have to follow the rules. We have to know first. We have to know what they are, and then we have to follow them. And, and you know, great. I, I want to interject just real brief. It made me think about something. Here in the state of Florida, they spend more money on the on educating people about the lottery than they do on educating them about their voting rights and their election. Yes. And you know that's something to say when they spend when they spend more money to make you lose money than they would for you to be able to make an informed decision on who would lead your city, your state, your country. Yes. You know, it just shows that they they hope that the ignorance of people will benefit them. Of course, absolutely, absolutely. And that goes back to the it's it's just a call to your listeners. It's a call to your audience to say the responsibility is on us to continually educate ourselves to empower ourselves, to get uh, the, the best information that we can get. Everybody has access to a public library. You can go to any library in your community, and you can get answers to a lot of these questions and topics that we're covering in this conversation. You can go to the library and learn about how to manage your funds, your money. You can go to the library and learn about new industries and new opportunities to create income for yourself. You can go to the library and learn how to be a, a better servant in your own community. So we just have to take a greater and more active role in our in our development because we have, and I've been guilty of it myself, you know, I have allowed sound bites from CNN and, and headlines from the New York Times to inform my worldview. 
I've been guilty of that. So until I'm ready to, to step up my game and say, you know what, Ed, you may have to spend an extra hour staying up tonight just doing some research to get to the bottom of what's really happening in this part of the world. You may have to go and, and pick up a book on, on, as you said, just the ins and outs of, of voting and what that whole process is and what my rights are just so that I'm clear and I can tell my, my people, let them know what's going on. Little things like that make a big difference. You know, Mr. Blunt, you're absolutely right. I was just um, talking with a gentleman who said, our vote doesn't count anyway because they're going to have uh, the Electoral College decide the president. You know, and so it made me go and look up some information on, uh, you know, what the Electoral College does and everything because I was like, dude, are you crazy? You know, they have to count our votes. Right. You know, and once I read up on it, I was like, wow, you know, the Electoral College plays a very important role. They basically look at the number of votes, and then they make their decisions based on that. So you could actually win the popular vote and lose the presidency based yeah. on how the Electoral College votes. But they basically vote the way that uh, the voters' numbers reflect. But they don't necessarily have to vote that way. That's true. Al Gore proved that in 2000. Yes. You know, and so I was just amazed at that. I'm like, wow. You know, it's not to say don't go out and vote because you want your numbers to influence the election. Yes. You know, but it's you know, but when it comes down to it, you could actually have somebody that is supposed to be impartial to be partial and could affect this whole election. And, you know, and that's why I tell people it's so important that you go out there and make the statement. Go out and vote. Make your statement. If you if you voted and the numbers are overwhelmingly in the, in the uh, favor of the person you voted for and the Electoral College goes against that, then people will know that. They will see the actual flaw in the Electoral College, and then you will really have people talking. You know, there, there, there are a lot of variables that, that come into play. And, you know, just on, the, just on the concept of voting itself, I think everybody from the – if you look at the suffragist movement when women were fighting for their rights and you look at the, the Civil Rights Voting Act as African Americans were, were seeking to be recognized, just based on that alone – you know, I don't want to hear anybody talking about them. They're not going to vote. If you're not going to vote, then just plan on doing whatever I tell you to do for the next four years. <laughs> whatever I tell you to do, not even your government, but whatever I tell you to do, just be quiet. So don't you have? If you don't vote, you don't you don't get to have a voice. So I don't want to hear anybody complaining. So everyone should vote, absolutely. Now, we understand that there are variables, and the electoral college is a great example because. It doesn't always work out where the numbers are going to dictate who gets elected. So what we need to do, I believe, uh, as individuals, we just have to take a, a greater active role in how we're living our life day to day to day. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's in office. We still have lives to lead. We still have work to do. We still have families to raise. We still have income that we need to earn in order to provide for our families. So what can we do as individuals when we get off this call tonight 
your listeners, there are things that you all can do. You can, instead of, uh, instead of turning on television, pick up a book and spend some extra time reading and developing your mind. And instead of, you know, talking about, you know, what your, your neighbor did or didn't do or what's happening in the town over or what have you, you can spend time engaging in conversation about creative ways that you can put some of your ideas to use. You can, you can, I mean, there's so many different things we can start to do just in our own practical everyday life to start to expand our reach, our impact, and our voice. And the louder and more cultivated our voice becomes, the more impact we have in our communities, and that's flipped over from our families, communities, to the cities, and to the, the movement in and of itself, so that we're not, all, we're not all sitting around waiting, well, I hope, you know, my candidate wins, because if my candidate doesn't win, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, that's the wrong mindset. That's the wrong mindset. You should be thinking, whether or not my candidate wins, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Wow. I have a plan of action for myself, for my family, my community, and if my candidate gets in office, great. If not, great. I'm going to keep doing what I came here to do because I've got my life to lead and I have other lives that I want to impact. You know, it, it, it's, it's so powerful that you saying what you're saying because you hear all the time a lot of people, and you know, for this, I guess, this year or this election, it, it's different. This term is different because I'm not really hearing a lot of people say the old things that they used to say. You, you hear people are really pushing about you need to really get out and vote and you need to do this, uh, this may be history. Either way, it's going to be history in the making. Yes. It's going to happen. History will be made. Now, the sad thing is, and, and I'm going to speak about the South because that's where we live. Yes. Uh, in talking with a lot of the people that are uh, Democratic, or they're working in the polls for uh, Obama, they're working on his campaign, uh, a lot of college students, white and black, are working and I was talking with one of the white females that uh, is campaigning for McCain, and she was making phone calls, and uh, and she was just in tears because she heard so many uh, other people say so many negative things. And one of the phone calls, I think the lady was 65, 70 years old, said, I just cannot vote for a black man. I just cannot do it. I understand the economy is terrible but I cannot vote for an African-American, and that is so sad. Mm-hmm. That's sad. And you need to tell me you would rather struggle than do good and not vote for an African-American. And I'm not saying he's going to come in and turn everything around, but the, the fact that that's being said and the reason I'm saying that is because I heard something that you said in the beginning. A lot of people are not even aware of what they're saying and the reason that they're doing it because that's something that was taught in and what they saw their parents do a long time ago. It was just a yeah. thing. You don't do this. But when can we break that cycle? How will we break that cycle? Well, you know, Greg, you, you can take that example and you can put it into a lot of different uh, boats. You can put that very same example into the boat of, you know, um, I'm sick and tired of my situation. I'm tired of living from paycheck to paycheck. You know, when am I going to get mine? Well, 
until you start developing your mind, you're not going to be able to get what's 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 supposed to be yours. So most people, their their urge to grow is not as strong as their resistance to change. So whether you're talking about the woman who is uh, behavior a behavioral racist, or you're talking about the the gentleman who cannot see beyond his immediate circumstance into the hope of a new possibility for his future, or if you're talking about the the person who is who is apathetic and just feels like their vote's not going to count, so why bother? My life's been messed up for the last 10 years. What makes you think it's going to be any different for the next four? So there are people that are fixed in their behavioral patterns because that is what they are focusing on. So the way that we begin to address that is we start at home. We start within. Because when people see Greg and Brian, you know, continuing to stretch and take on new topics and, and do new patterns and, and do new things that work, they're going to look at that and say, wow, well, you know, one thing you can't accuse these guys of is a bitch. They're doing, they're doing something different. So it starts at home. We, we must be, as Mahatma Gandhi said, we must be the change that we seek and understand that there are going to be those who are not going to change. There are going to be people who are going to continue to make the same bad choices over and over and over again and still complaining about the outcome, right? So there's nothing we can do about that. But what we can do is we can be the change we seek, and we're going to find some others. And that's one thing this election has proven more than anything else. One person with an idea has shifted the entire country. Mm -hmm. I am in Shaker Heights, Ohio right now. I was here doing a training in uh, downtown Cleveland, and I've been driving around the suburbs of Shaker. For those of you who don't know, Shaker Heights has a history as one of the first cities to successfully integrate integration in the school system. And I'm driving around and I'm looking at all the signs in, on the lawns. And Shaker Heights is a predominantly uh, majority white area, but I'm seeing major I've seen more. I've, I've seen one McCain sign, and all the rest of the signs I've seen are Obama. And literally, I've seen at least 30 of them just driving around this afternoon. Now, that's, that's, that's incredible. And you're right, Greg. Regardless of the outcome of the election, history has already been made because what we have demonstrated is if you just get a small group of committed people, you can literally start a movement that can change the world, yeah. a small group of committed people. So that's where it starts. Mm. Yes, yes. Uh, Mr. Blunt, we have about five minutes before our show ends for tonight. I wanted to uh, make sure we got we gave you an opportunity to talk about some of the things that you're doing right now with your business and with your uh, other ventures that you're involved in. The the two things that I do are I work from as an architect of your future. That is what I am. I'm a life design specialist. I look at the blueprint that you are living from. And I look at that in terms of where you want to go. And if your actions are not in alignment with that picture of your success, then what we're going to do is we're going to do some tweaking on your blueprint so that we can make some corrective adjustments along the way. We can what I call course correct so that you are fully in alignment with the direction that you want to go in. Most people in their life, not only do they not know what they want, <laughs> 
but they're allowing someone else to tell them what they where they think they need to be going. So they end up spinning their wheels. So I spend a lot of time cultivating blueprints for companies, organizations, and groups that are, are success-minded and are seeking to expand their position on the planet. Another thing that I do is I work with individuals who are seeking to increase their financial capacity. There are a lot of people in this country, ladies and gentlemen, 600,000 jobs were lost last year. 600,000 jobs. People are looking for ways to create income opportunities, just basic income opportunities. I'm not talking about being dramatically rich. I'm talking about enough money to pay the mortgage and to make sure the kids are fed and can go to school. So one of the things that I spend a lot of time on is I help people develop an income stream where they can have a job and then have another stream of residual income coming in so they can start to create some space for themselves financially so it's not always living from paycheck to paycheck, being beholden to an employer or just struggling to get through the day. I think people are tired of that. I think that they deserve better than that, and we cannot leave it up to the government right now. I don't know that we ever should. I think we need to start taking a more active role in our life and our, and our opportunity, and that's one of the things that I do. All right, all right. And also, give us your website. Okay, um, the website is www.edblunt.edblunt. And what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to offer everyone on the call, I'm going to give you all two weeks of personal development heaven. Personal development, just tons of courses, unlimited resources, I'm going to send you some, some DVDs and CDs. We're going to just give you the whole kit and caboodle for two weeks, okay? Two weeks I'm going to give you access to some of the best minds, including my own, <laughs> the best and brightest minds on the planet that do what I do, financially, spiritually, health-wise, investing, relationships, you name it. So you're going to go to www.edblunt.com successuniversity.com slash new. I'll say that again, www.edblunt, E-D-B-L-U-N-T, dot successuniversity.com slash new. You will have a two-week preview. You can experience all the courses that we offer and really, really take the time, ladies and gentlemen. Find something that you want to learn. You can learn about investing in the stock market. Probably not now. <laughs> you can learn about investing in real estate. You can learn about the best foods to eat. You can learn about leadership, motivation, personal development, communication, speech development. So take the time and really give yourself a chance to build yourself from the inside out. When you do that, when you go to that link, it's going to send me a message so I know who you are, they'll give me your name and your email and your phone number, and I will contact you personally to, to help you navigate this, this, these courses, and, and we'll set up a program for you so you can really, really get into some steps, active, practical steps to begin to improve and dramatically enhance your life. Yes, wow. And um, we'll also post that in the, in the chat room for those that are listening online. And 
make sure you go and check that site out. I'm sure you will not be upset about it. I mean, you... absolutely not. I guarantee it. Two, two weeks, they'll change your life. And if you and if you really want to take your life to the next level, we'll have a conversation about that. All right. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you again, Mr. Blunt, for joining us. And I want everybody to know that we'll be live on Monday at 9 p.m. where we'll have another great and exciting show. Well, thank you all so much. I really appreciate the work that you're doing. You all are changing lives every single week. I appreciate your passion, your commitment, and your dedication to helping people live their lives on a higher frequency. Come on now, Abundant Solutions. Keep it coming. <laughs> all right. Thanks again. And to all of our listeners, good evening. Thank you. God thank bless you. And we'll see you on Monday.